But why the heck are we Star Fox roaming around planets, kicking around aliens? Dude. Like, I want the space shooter experience with Star Dude, Fox. Do see, but not not aliens, dinosaurs. <laughs> Hey, welcome to a new episode of the Pixel Meditations. In this episode, Steve and I return to gaming and we actually talk about um, a topic that we frequently discussed between ourselves, uh, but have yet to make an episode on it. And that is uh, comparing the GameCube to the PlayStation 2. So uh, I think it's a, it's interesting. Um, I think there's strong arguments on either side of which consoles... Uh, the better one. Um, I think a lot of people tend to favor the PS2 just because of the extensive library, but I think there's also some really good arguments for why the GameCube has a lot to contribute. But we found this topic really interesting. We could have made an, ep- uh, an episode on either uh, the GameCube or the PlayStation 2 um, just individually, but since they existed in the si- at the same time and a lot of people were constantly comparing the two, um, we thought it would be fun to to make an episode actually where we compare the two. So we do plan to make um, more gaming episodes in the future. So we like to mix it up. Um, we kind of missed gaming and we think our audience missed gaming. So um, we definitely plan to throw in some more gaming episodes in the future. So if you guys have any specific gaming ideas, uh, we'd love to incorporate them into future episodes. But yeah, um, this is a really fun episode to make. It's really close to our gaming hearts, I guess you could say. Um, yeah, there's a lot of really cool uh, experiences that we've had on both of these consoles. I think both are really awesome. I think our conversation actually comes to some pretty interesting uh, consensus. Um, and yeah, I think I think you guys will really enjoy this episode. So thank you for listening to the Pixel Meditations and enjoy the episode. Hey, Toby, we're going back to the uh, origins of our podcast today. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, yeah, so we decided we wanted to do another gaming ep- gaming episode. Yeah, I think we have been talking about it for a handful of episodes, and it's something that we probably should do. So, I mean, I I, don't, I guess maybe not should do, but I think it's something that's in our interest and the listeners' interest. So, I hope that this episode is something that the listeners enjoy. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, there definitely are roots for podcasting, and we both still love gaming. So, we just thought we'd throw in some more gaming episodes for our audience. So, we hope you guys really enjoy this episode. Yeah, this is definitely a topic that I think has a little bit of pretense. So we, as mainly, I guess the GameCube being sort of a bit debatable between us in terms of its quality and what we think of it. So I think throughout the course of this episode, hopefully we're going to weed out just exactly what we think of the PS2 and the GameCube. But before we get there, there's kind of two big elephants in the room with the Sega Dreamcast and the Xbox. So let's just start with Sega since they kind of fall out first. So I mean... I remember the exact moment I found out that the Sega Dreamcast was going to be, well, that Sega went bankrupt and we're going to discontinue the Dreamcast. So I was in sixth grade, I believe. I was in computer class, and one of the boys just yelled it out. He's like, Sega Dreamcast is getting discontinued. Sega's bankrupt. <laughs> and it was like this giant announcement for all the boys in the classroom. 
Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty um it's pretty interesting. I actually totally bypassed the Dreamcast uh generation. I didn't even own a Sega Master System, so my whole like experience with Sega is definitely a little bit different than yours. <laughs> Wait, I wanted to say Sega Master System's their original console. That'd be the eighties. Oh, okay, sorry. Uh I oh you know what? I always get the, the names wrong of the Sega consoles. Uh just yeah, you're not this, a I, I think I think <laughs> I think uh, I think I just call it maybe like the Sega Genesis. That's the one. That's the one from the '90s, right? Yeah, that was their most popular one. That was going head to head with the Super Nintendo. It's a 16-bit console. Okay, and the Sega Master System's uh, an older one. Yeah, that was the original console. It was 8-bit. It was head-to-head with an NES. But the Dreamcast was a console. That's like the that's the final um, Sega console. It comes out in 1998. And it's discontinued, I believe, in 2000. And I never owned a Dreamcast, but I remember the first day my friend brought one back. His mom had bought him one, I think, in 1999 or maybe even in 2000. And we were both just in awe watching um, Sonic Adventure and just how good the graphics were next to the 64 and the PlayStation. Like, it just blew him out of the water. Yeah. Um, I mean, I so I definitely saw a few games from the, um, the, Se- the Sega Dreamcast back in the day. Uh, but it was like very, very limited. So, yeah. Well, I mean, it's a darling console. The thing is, is it's definitely one of those cult consoles that everyone who's played a, a Sega Dreamcast or everyone who's owned one has really enjoyed it, mm-hmm. or really kind of touted it as like a really great console that's really underappreciated. And that's kind of maybe want to get a Dreamcast, but I just don't want to buy another console. But I do think have, having played some of the games um, post Dreamcast era that it is a really unique console. And I think Sega had, they had a winner had they been in a better financial situation and not been, not made a lot of foolish decisions before mm-hmm. the Dreamcast. Yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, it's definitely like a huge moment in gaming history to kind of lose uh, Sega as a, you know, first party developer. I think that's, yeah, it's a really massive uh, shift. Um, I, it it, it kind of yeah. seemed like like uh, I don't know like uh, Nintendo at that point was kind of ascendant into the the gaming realm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, although I mean I think the PlayStation had come out big, and I I don't know I think that the the PlayStation the PlayStation One was so landmark and was so successful that I think some people were even questioning Nintendo after that. Can Nintendo actually grow up and develop with this PlayStation, which seemed to cater towards a more diverse range of genres and a more mature crowd i think uh-huh yeah i mean um yeah so like obviously you have the the um the snes and then the you know the rise of the um you know the n64 and in the playstation um and we i think you know i think we kind of go back and forth from this so it's probably going to be a theme throughout the whole episode but i'm more on camp nintendo and you were more on camp um sega which we've we've kind of uh, talked about, and then and then obviously I think you were you switched more to PlayStation. I think that's a pretty fair characterization. Yeah, I, I my first real I mean I owned an NES and a Super Nintendo. I adored both of them. I didn't own an N sixty four until after the fact, but I played it a lot at friends' houses, and I did own a GameCube and a PS two. But I mean, I disproportionately played my PS two. I mean, my GameCube was basically collecting dust outside of Super <laughs> Smash Brothers at the end of the era. Um, so I definitely switched camps, but I think that over the years, I've just realized how magical Nintendo is. Like, I think that, oh, well, here's the thing. 
Um, a lot of people see it seems like I'm more Sony, but actually I think I've always kept it balanced because I never got a PSP, I never got a PSP Vita, but I played every Nintendo handheld. I've loved every Nintendo handheld, and for me, everything from the Game Boy Color to the Nintendo 3DS has just been absolutely magical. Mm-hmm. So at that time, I actually played my Game Boy Advance way more than I played a GameCube. Okay. So then I guess that leads us to kind of like the other elephant in the room that began to take form, uh, I guess, pretty much right during the during this time. So that'd obviously be the, the rise of uh, Microsoft. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know. I actually had really mixed feelings about Microsoft entering the console business back when it did with the Xbox. Um, we, we kind of were talking about this a bit and I, and I really don't know exactly why I think maybe their marketing was a little bit geared towards, um, more of like the uh, cool American kids. And like, I just like, didn't associate with that. Like I was, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't really interested in like the cool kids back in the day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that Xbox sort of marketed themselves as being the more action oriented, uh, first-person shooter-based kind of console. The, the console you would get if you wanted the higher performance, the better hardware. And I think that in that way, it seemed to me that maybe they were a little bit less focused on the games and sort of the diversity of gaming and like kind of the, the thing I'd come to love that Nintendo and Sony were so good at. And so I think I saw Microsoft as a little bit um, dangerous to the gaming realm because I thought that maybe they would sort of isolate certain genres that I enjoyed but didn't want to represent gaming entirely Mm -hmm. does that make sense um i think i know what you mean so like like uh the xbox had a lot of um kind of like first person shooter games like halo or something like that and like racing like like gears of war and racing games um you know more i guess you could say gamer bro kind of games yeah, I mean, to be fair, the original Xbox actually did have some really cool games. Like, uh, Sega brought, like, Panzer Dragoon over to um, Xbox. Oh, I didn't know and that. there is a handful of games. I, yeah, Panzer Dragoon Orta. So I think the original Xbox had some cool games. But I think that we agree that it seemed like it was definitely a console that was going to represent genres that were more in the bro um, side of things. Like your Call of Duties, your Maddens, your... Uh, your more technical racing games that had more like adjustable parts and more more of the technical aspect of racing rather than kind of like the f- casual racing games. Mm-hmm. But then again, like Xbox is also very favorable to like arcade and like they had like um, the arcade live program. And I don't know. I think that I may have may have unfairly maligned the Xbox, uh-huh. and I think may, that was probably just me being really nostalgic for Nintendo. And me being such a giant PlayStation fan at that time. Yeah, yeah. And thinking back on it myself, I actually kind of feel like I unfairly maligned them as well. Like, uh, like I think there's a lot of really interesting games in the library that I haven't actually really touched. Um, did you ever play? I, I don't. Do you ever play Knights of the Old Republic? Have you heard of that? No, I haven't. I, I haven't played a lot of Star Wars games. Okay, well that that game is regarded as like just god tier. Yeah, I've heard that's the best Star Wars game by far. Yeah, yeah. And it's just a game I've never played. Like, some people in our audience are probably laughing because it's such a famous game. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm actually a bit surprised that maybe you wouldn't be more uh, a bigger fan of Xbox since Rare went to 
um, Xbox and you're such a big Rare fan. Yeah, you know what? And that might actually be partially why I hate Xbox so much. <laughs> <laughs> they destroyed Rare. Yeah, well, they also they also <laughs> like stole Rare, so. It, yeah, that like learning learning that the GameCube would would be released uh, without Rare was a huge disappointment. Actually, like it was really sad. Um, actually, at yeah. The time. And I'm pretty sure Nintendo must have been a little bit worried about that too. But now that we mentioned Nintendo, let's just get right into okay. this. So we're, we're going to be talking about the PlayStation and sorry, the PlayStation Two and the GameCube today. I'm sure Xbox will come up again in some some fashion or in some small section, but. This is me focusing on the PS2 and the GameCube, and let's just dive right in. So, you know, you can't, no console is complete without a controller, and to me, like, this generation is really amazing because all three controllers were completely different. Um, I'm going to start with the PS2 because it's the simplest uh-huh. to explain. Okay. Now, it, it basically just took what they did with the original PlayStation controller, and they just kept the same exact design. Um, they may have messed with the analog sticks a little bit, I think the later generation PlayStation 1 controllers had two analog sticks, a right and a left analog stick. And the PlayStation PlayStation decides to play it safe and keep the same design controller. And I think this is the best decision they could have made. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you agree with that. But Nintendo, obviously, for, um, well, for reasons that are obvious to me, the N64 controller was really wonky. It's really weird. It's probably one of the strangest controller designs in the history of gaming, in my opinion. Yeah, it's very strange. <laughs> so it wouldn't have it wouldn't have made sense for them to keep that, especially with the more the more standardization of the two analog sticks. And obviously, with the Wii, they went towards Motion Plus, sorry, Motion Control with the Wiimote. So the GameCube was sort of a one-off controller, but it, it's special to a lot of people. And I guess I'm just going to throw it to you here. Why Why do you think the GameCube controller is so loved by yeah. Nintendo fans and <laughs> gaming fans in general? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's actually a bunch of reasons. Um, I think the biggest number one reason is that it's, it's extremely ergonomic. Um, it just fits your hands so perfectly. It takes a, it takes a form that's somewhat similar to the PlayStation controller. Um, and I think it actually just perfects it, but it's like, it's a similar shape as the, you know, the classic PlayStation controller, but I, but I, in my opinion, it's even more ergonomic. Um, and then obviously, um, you have these great buttons, um, you know, of, of very di- different size buttons, which I think is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, the B buttons are like kind of tiny and the A buttons like gigantic and you have different shape buttons like the Y and the X buttons. Like they're totally different shapes. Like it's like a lot of controllers, like all the buttons are the same shapes, but in the GameCube controller, they're quite different from each other. And that's actually really cool. And then also the, the, um, the actual, uh, joysticks are, um, the balls are like huge, like they're thick. And it actually fixed a problem that the the N64 had where um, the N64 joysticks were constantly wearing out. Like, I don't know if you've ever, you, pro- you yeah. probably ran through like a ton of N64. Oh, dude, definitely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, especially like it, it's the worst thing ever when you're playing like GoldenEye 4 yeah, player yeah, yeah. and you get, you get stuck with like the worn out joystick that Ugh, basically has like, no control anymore. It has, there's no tension whatsoever yeah, on the it's stick. Absolute, it's, it's absolutely the worst and probably the, one of the worst parts about the N64 controller. But you know what? To be honest, I've never, ever had a GameCube controller that I had to replace. Like that, like they fixed that wearing out problem. Like it, it's really cool, actually. But um, so then the other thing that's really touted in a lot of games, and it's something that people really miss about the GameCube controller, is it actually has analog uh, L and R buttons. And what that means, okay. yeah, and what that means yeah. is that um, you have like 
uh, variable pressure that you that you can use on the actual button. And say if you push down the R button halfway, it actually can mean a completely different action than if you were to p push it down all the way. So it's actually like something that we haven't seen in any controller uh, since the GameCube. And it's actually something that a lot of gamers uh, really miss because this is something that's really utilized in like games like Super Smash Brothers Melee. So... Um, like, I think it, it affects the sh like how, how much shield you use. Like, if you push the R button all the way, all of your shield will be utilized. I don't know. There's just different different aspects in a lot of different games. Like, Super Mario Sunshine, for example, heavily uses the, these analog bumpers. Um, so, it's actually a really cool thing, and it's something that people really love. So, yeah. I mean, it's actually – I mean, in the GameCube controller is probably my favorite controller. So. Okay, uh, I'm glad you remember the analog um, feature in the L and R because yeah, yeah. I remember that there was something special with the L and R buttons, but I couldn't remember exactly what it was. And I'm actually looking at my Pikachu GameCube <laughs> controller for the Switch over there right now. It's sitting right on the table, so I can see what you're talking about with the different buttons. You got the circular A and B button, and then the X and Y buttons are sort of um, a bit oval shaped yeah, yeah, and yeah. they stick out more. And I guess my only complaint on this controller. If I have to give it one criticism, because I also love it as well. I remember the GameCube controller fondly, and I really liked it. It's kind of smut. It's, it's a bit small, yeah. but it fits in your hands yeah. really nicely. And it's kind of, it has the perfect amount of like heaviness. It's a little bit heavier than I think a PlayStation 2 controller uh -huh. was, if I remember yeah. right. But I think my only complaint on it is the positioning of the analog sticks. Now, this isn't a huge deal, but I kind of like that the PlayStation 2 controller's um, left and right analog sticks are parallel to each other. Uh-huh. Whereas the GameCube's left analog stick is a little bit further up on the gamepad than the right analog stick, which yeah. is further down. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I actually, uh, I kind of agree with that criticism. And I, I've noticed that, that even now, like, if you go all the way to the Switch, like, Nintendo still hasn't learned mm -hmm. that people want their joysticks aligned. Like, like, <laughs> like the offset joysticks in the, in the, on the Switch, you know what I'm talking about? How the, how the right Joy-Con, it's like... All the way at the bottom, and the and on the left Joy-Con, the joysticks all the way at the top. Like, like they're just always they're yeah, like always yeah. out of sync with each other. And I've always, yeah, I agree. I, I really I enjoy the the symmetry of the PlayStation controller a lot. Yeah, and I guess like Nintendo did a pretty good job with the Pro controller. It's a little bit less obvious that there's an issue, and because part of the problem with the GameCube controller is that the right analog stick is significantly smaller. Than the left analog stick, it's pretty yeah, obvious the that the, the C6 so right small. analog stick, yeah, yeah, the C stick is obviously made to be a secondary feature. Like it's not made to be something that you're zooming and you're moving around the camera at all times with. Whereas I think the PlayStation Two, they realized that hey, we're gonna have people move their character around with the left analog mm -hmm. stick and look around with the camera with the right analog stick, and to me, that's that's something that's stuck with gaming. So obviously, I think that. That one aspect is a win for the PlayStation 2 controller. But as far as controllers go, I'm going to give these two controllers a tie because I actually really love both of them. Yeah. For different reasons. For different reasons, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm still going to go with the GameCube just because I like the overall feel of it. And I think um, th for the games that it's used in, the the difference between the C-Stick and the, the primary joystick aren't significant because it's kind of like like they're still kind of like learning how to make those games so it's not like a huge factor at least for me yeah yeah no you're right and also one thing i want to quickly say before i move on is i'm pretty sure with the ps2 controller i haven't had one in my hands for a long time 
but I'm pretty sure there's no trigger and bumper. I think they're the exact same feel on the PS2. I might be wrong on that though. I think because all the PlayStation controllers are the same exact design and I haven't played a PS2 in a few years now, I just can't quite recall off the top of my head. I mean, it's not that consequential to what we're talking about right now, but um, I'm trying to get a picture online here. Of course, all the pictures are the front of the controller. <laughs> you can't really see the L and R buttons very well. Um, I'm not sure. We'll have to check this after. Maybe someone listening knows the answer to this question. But okay, so I mean, I think the controller controllers are definitely significant. But let's move on a little bit. Um, I'm going to switch around what we're going to talk about here a little. So instead of talking about games, let's talk about the hardware a little bit because okay. this is actually something that's talked about in this generation a lot. Yeah. So everyone knows that the Xbox was the highest performing uh, consoles in terms of hardware and power. But actually, the GameCube is quite a bit more powerful than the PlayStation 2. Mm -hmm. And this might be the fact that the PS2 came out two years before the GameCube and the Xbox. So it would be natural to assume that the PlayStation 2 specs wouldn't be quite as high. But I'm wondering, just without running through the specs, how big a factor... Um, is hard, hardware and quality here and determining which one of these consoles you would buy. Yeah. So actually for me, this was a huge factor. Um, I really enjoy the graphics of the, of the GameCube. Um, I would say quite a bit more than the PlayStation uh, 2's graphics. Although I have to say at the time, I was quite impressed by um, the visuals of like games like Final Fantasy X and stuff like that, which are, which, which yeah. uh, you know, really showcased what the console could do. But as far as the graphic styles, I still think Sony's games um, generally were more okay with this kind of like, I don't know, like polygon, like overdrawn kind of like quality. I, I, like I can't explain it, but like, like almost like a fuzziness to the polygons. Um, like and and I I recall I recall it in like the the PlayStation era really strongly. Like 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 Nintendo's games would would go for like kind of blocky defined uh polygons so like a game imagine like a game like mario 64 you have very defined lines and then i feel mm -hmm. like for like the the um the playstation the polygons were almost like they had like a like a fuzziness to them and with less defined lines like i think they were trying to hide the blockiness of the polygons because they wanted to try and go for more realism so like a game like uh like metal gear solid or something like that and i think it kind of continues on to the playstation 2 era they kind of don't don't like the blocky polygons as much i think just because they associate them with kind of like um like not realistic depictions yeah, I think the kiddiness factor of the N64, like a lot of people would say like the N64 would appeal maybe more to kids because you have the kind of very bright colored, yeah. big blocky sprites. Yeah, yeah. But I also love, I think Nintendo did a much better job with facial features. Like where I think Metal Gear Solid on the PlayStation is a perfect example. Every character's face is just really creepy to look at. Like, there's almost no eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can see that there are eyes, but there's no there's no eye color or there's not really any movement in the facial structure. Where I think like um, Nintendo did a better job at capturing facial expressions and characters. Like Banjo Kazooie, 
um, has like an actual face you can identify. Mario has a face you can identify. And GameCube, it just gets better. In the PS2, obviously, it gets a little bit better. But it seems like PlayStation was trying to get a more realistic look. Yeah. But that didn't always work out so well. No. Since some of the facial features were less defined. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like it's like they went for kind of like a concealing kind of technique, I think, in, in the polygons. Like... They, they knew they couldn't make realistic polygons in that era, but they tried to, like, conceal mm-hmm. the, the the heavy blockiness of the polygons. And, um, you know, it's fine. Like, it's a style. I just I just generally prefer the Nintendo style. And then, obviously, Nintendo was really, really comfortable embracing completely d- unique uh, art styles, especially in the GameCube era with games like The Wind Waker, which is, like, amazing and probably one of the most beautiful um, games made for the console. Yeah. And, I mean... Um, did did uh, Okami come out for the PlayStation? I can't remember. You're gonna have to, PlayStation Two. It came for PlayStation Two, but that game is developed by Capcom, so that'd be a third party game. But yeah, it came out for PS Two originally. Okay, but like Okami is completely beautiful. So like PlayStation. Oh yeah, it's a, yeah. Keep in mind though, Okami is also at the very end of the PlayStation Two cycle. I think it's like 2006, so it's right at the end of the. It's pretty much using. Like the best of the best when it comes to the PS2 mm-hmm. um, hardware, yeah. but they knew how to use it very well at that point. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, you're right. It's, it's utterly gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, it's a gorgeous game. Although one thing we can talk about is um, the dreaded uh, mini discs that the GameCube used. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, what's really the point? Why did they go with that? It doesn't make any sense because it, it it just limits the size of the games. Yeah, I think I read that those mini discs only they can only contain like 1.5 gigabytes. Mm-hmm. Where I think the PS2 DVDs, they're using DVD technology at that time for the most part. Mm-hmm. There are also some CD based games too, but I think a DVD can hold like five gigabytes, whereas yeah. those GameCube discs could only. Have... But Nintendo's always been really good at optimizing uh, the space they use for their own games. I think this would be something that would hurt them more with third-party developers, and maybe, maybe, this is complete speculation, but maybe that's why some of the bigger third-party companies would have found PlayStation or Xbox more attractive, since they didn't want to have that space limitation Yeah, on the mini-discs. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, It just seems like an unnecessary constraint. I'm not sure what the Mm -hmm. benefits of using the mini discs uh you know were at the time like like i guess i'm sure the discs were cheaper probably the actual um devices like the the actual um cd rom or dvd rom actually i think that gamecube had it technically it had a dvd rom it just wasn't utilizing it as a you know it was reading a, a dvd disc like that's a mini dvd disc mm-hmm. it just couldn't read like full size dvd discs um i believe that's correct okay but um, yeah, I, I'm really, I'm really uncertain exactly what the benefits of utilizing that little mini disc were. And, and it just, it's a little bit perplexing and it seemed kind of like a really lame, uh, marketing thing like, Oh, GameCube. It's so cute. <laughs> Pop in your little disc. It's so different and cool. Yeah. I mean, PlayStation 2 has to win here because they went DVD, which is a relatively new, new technology at that time. Yeah. And they gave you a DVD player in the PS2 in the year 2000s. And if you remember the year 2000, DVD players were pretty pricey yeah, on their yeah. own. I believe they were over $100 for a really nice DVD player. So the fact that you could buy a PlayStation 2 and sort of use it as a multimedia device was pretty amazing at that time. Yeah, yeah. And it had a, and it had like an actual UI for multimedia. Like you could play music, you could play DVDs, mm-hmm. and, and people did all that stuff. Like that was a really huge part of it, actually. 
And and some and yeah. some games can actually rip songs off of your discs. I don't know if you've ever done. Did you ever do that? <laughs> like, um, I don't think I ever tried that. No, I definitely know you could listen to tracks, but I don't think I know you could rip them. Yeah, like some games, you can actually add tracks from discs. I don't know. Like, like I think you can do it with like a uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater or something like that. I don't know. Okay, I mean that makes sense since that game had a soundtrack that was comprised by real artists. Right? Yeah, yeah, but like you could just do cool things with with um, you know utilizing the fact that it can actually read real discs as well. Yeah, I mean maybe this is sort of Sony is one of their advantages back then because they were because Nintendo is kind of strictly a gaming company, whereas Sony had a lot of other products that they made in the technology realm. So they maybe they were kind of more ready to jump on the DVD um, wagon at that time. But I would be remiss if I didn't point out one of the biggest wins for the PlayStation 2, which is the fact that it's backwards compatible because they use DVDs and because they still had like games that were made of CDs. Well, I'm not sure it's why, but you could play all your PlayStation 1 games on a PS2. Your memory cards could go right to the PS2, whereas GameCube, obviously, you couldn't play cartridges anymore, which is smart, but there's no backwards compatibility whatsoever with the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it makes if you have a giant PlayStation 1 collection, it makes the PS2 a very easy and smooth transition. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a, it's a continuation of like an existing product that was really successful. And yeah, I mean, yeah, there's definitely like clear advantages to that. Um, yeah, but I, but I also would still give the hardware advantage overall as an overall package. I personally would still give it to GameCube um, just because I think they utilized it really well. And, and I actually feel like the PlayStation 2 uh, was a little bit suffered from like a higher failure rate. Like, did you ever have a broken PS2 or someone who had one? Uh, no, my PS2 never broke, yeah. actually. But I think the DVD drive would sometimes go out and people would have to replace it. Although I think the failure rate was far uh, better than the Xbox at the time. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. I mean, I've had a PS3 that broke on me, but never a PS2, and I've never owned an Xbox. Okay. But I definitely would agree with you that the hardware end has to go to the GameCube. I mean, just looking at the raw numbers here, just looking at the CPU, I mean, you're talking about the G- the GameCube having a 4.86 megahertz. PS2 is 294. Yeah. So pretty much double the processing power. Yeah, it's crazy. And the GPU is your graphics card is G- the GameCube is running at two- 202.5 megahertz and the PS2 at 147 megahertz. So, I mean, the GameCube not only ran faster, which is very obvious, because, I mean, as someone who played a ton of PS2 games, I can tell you that there were a lot of games. I mean, there were really a lot of them. And this is actually one of my least favorite things with the PS2. There were a lot of games that had slowdown, and there were a lot of games that had points where there was slowdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. And a lot of games that are on both PS2 and GameCube, I, it's almost 100% of the time that the GameCube version is considered like the definitive version just because of the, the higher specs. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree. And plus, like one thing I also want to point out before we leave kind of the hardware is I, I think that when you I, – I just went back and I played um, – what was I playing? I was playing Jack 3 from the Jack and Daxter series a couple of years ago as well as Persona 4. And all of the textures are so bland. Everything's <laughs> monochrome, like one color walls. And maybe I'm remembering incorrectly, but I remember the GameCube having some pretty stunning um, 
textures for that time period. Like Wind Waker having these really lush textures and multicolored walls and with some detail in them. And the GameCube was all around just a cleaner look. Uh, the fuzziness isn't there. The monochrome textures are a little bit less obvious. So, I mean, that was a huge thing for me going back to the PS2 a couple years ago. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with that. Um, yeah, it's actually one of my uh, goals when I go back to America to get an old CRT uh, TV and play through some of the, the old PS2 games that I missed. It's actually something I really want to do. But yeah. to be honest, it's like a lot of those games are really hard to play on a modern like LCD TV because mm-hmm. it's just like yeah. it just doesn't hold up. Like the graphics are just not good. Oh, man. I was living in a tiny apartment in Taiwan and I had a PS2 for a little while and I was really excited, but it just looked like pixel puke all over my TV <laughs> when I plugged it yeah. in. And I bought the better cable. I think it was like a composite cable. And that helped a little bit. And I did play quite a bit of Persona 4, which is a lot of fun. But I just found it really hard to play most games on PS2 yeah. on an LCD TV yeah, it's, and enjoy yeah. it. Like it was just, it was, it was ugly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a shame because um, at the time, like, like those, that was just such an amazing console and i think the games still look pretty good if you connect them to like an actually like appropriate tv from that era like an actual an actual crt um you know which is interesting and i and i actually really am excited to go back and check out a lot of those older games like that but um but yeah all right so we give hardware to the gamecube gamecube (laughs) is pretty undisputably has better hardware However, I will say in the PlayStation's defense that the PS2 had some really, really beautiful games at the end of the generation that could match the GameCube games in some respects. But overall, the GameCube just looked cleaner. And yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Right. I agree. Well, we always kind of dance around the games in our episodes, but let's talk about the game library a little bit. This is important, and this is definitely the point where we argue the most. So let's start with the GameCube. <laughs> um, what are your thoughts on the GameCube library? Um, yeah, so obviously this is something that we go back and forth on on the regular. Um, so, I mean, I, I have a like fairly biased uh, point of view on this just because most of my time in that era was spent on the GameCube. So I absolutely love a ton of games on the GameCube. And it's one of my favorite libraries of games. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think there's just indisputable classics for the PlayStation two that, you know, you're just kind of remiss if you ignore. So I can't just ignore all these wonderful PlayStation two games. A lot of, a lot of games, you know, I've gone back and actually played now, like I played through um, Metal Gear Solid Three, which is amazing. You nice. know, I'm I'm playing through Final Fantasy Seven and Final Fantasy Nine. Like those are both incredible games. Actually, you know, so like, oh, actually no, sorry, I shouldn't say. I'll, I'll cut this part out. But those two games are um, PlayStation <laughs> One. Well, I mean, you go back to PlayStation One, but I think it's applicable. I mean, I guess you could talk about. I mean, you you love Final Fantasy Ten probably more than oh, I. Oh yeah, do, I do. Love, even though you're more. Of a I do love Final guy. Fantasy Ten. Yeah. But yeah, you're going back and you're revisiting all the PlayStation games. Um, I've always loved Nintendo, so I feel like I've played most. I mean, you're, you're always going to give me a little bit of flack for not playing something like Banjo-Kazooie. Mm-hmm. And I really should play Banjo-Kazooie eventually. But I have gotten around to playing most of the big Nintendo games, either at the time or after the fact. Uh-huh. Um, so I think, it, I mean, I'll give you my thoughts on the GameCube um, before we get to the PS2. 
I really think that the first-party GameCube games are great. Like, I'm right with you. Like, Zelda Zelda Wind Waker did not deserve all the controversy and all no. the, like, hatred yeah. it got. Like, it's just unbelievable. I don't think I've ever seen a game that was that controversial in gaming history in terms of, like, dividing a fan base. Yeah. Yeah, no. I, I mean, it's insane. Yeah, no, it's insane. The The hatred for the cell shading, it was really, really lame. Um, like, I think people just really wanted, like, a more realistic Zelda game, but, like... I don't know why they couldn't just appreciate the Wind Waker for what it was at the time. Um, and definitely in retrospect, you know, in a, in a post Breath of the Wild universe, you know, the Wind the Wind Waker, it's, you know, it's it's really, really high up there. So, Oh, I love the Wind Waker. And I think like as soon as you turned it on, within the first 30 minutes, you just see the charm of the game. You see the gorgeous animations, just how like detailed the game is. It's just like... I don't know, man. I mean, I think that it's still one of the most beautiful games I've ever seen on any console. Yeah, yeah, I know. It absolutely is. Um, and it's not just the, the, the cell shading, which is amazing. It's the the whole package. Like, the music is great. The gameplay is great. The dungeons are really, really cool. Some people don't like the boat traveling, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, and they, they eventually give you some sort of, like, fast travel option anyway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a Zelda game. It's awesome. And like I said, I really like all the other games. Um, like Super Smash Brothers Melee, I just sunk so much time into. Like in that generation, mm-hmm. even though I played PS2 more, Super Smash Brothers Melee might have been the game that I played the most of any game. I mean, me and my brother and my cousin just played that game nonstop, and it was just like every time we played it, we had trouble putting the putting the controller down. Everyone yeah. wants to win that last battle. No, it's cute. But I mean, it was just to me, it was just such an upgrade over the N sixty four Super yeah. Smash Brothers. They did everything right with that game. Yeah, absolutely. No, there's so many classics like that. Um, I mean, Super Smash Brothers uh, Melee is is still regarded as one of the the best games ever. Um, and like at the time it was just mind boggling. Um, (laughs) I had a, I had a really, really terrible teacher (laughs) in, um, in high school, uh, who, who just like kind of gave up on teaching. I really, I, in retrospect, I feel really bad for this lady, but like, she just like somebody like want somebody (laughs) just like literally brought their GameCube into class and she let us like hook it up on the TV, and all we did was play Super Smash Brothers Melee for like weeks of my class. I can't even believe that this is this happened in real life. Really? Yeah, I'm not kidding. Weeks? Weeks, dude. I thought maybe like a couple days. No weeks. But weeks. She geez. gave up on teaching, dude. And, but, did she play or? No, no. <laughs> she was just like, I don't know, man. Like it's honestly, uh, yeah, American education system, whatever. But, but, um. Yeah, like 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 there was something about the, something truly magical about Super Smash Brothers Melee back in the day. But I mean there's there's so many other classics. Like you recently started playing Metroid Prime finally. <laughs> yeah, no I did. Um I did play it at the time actually a little bit. Um I just never beat it and I haven't gotten around to it in a while, but no, Metroid Prime is really good. It's really good. It takes everything I love about the 2D Metroids. Yeah, yeah. And it pretty much just transfers it directly to the 3D Uh world. And I'm actually really glad that Nintendo didn't make an N64 Metroid because I'm almost certain it would be a lot worse than Metroid Prime. So I think they made the right decision giving it to Retro Studios awaiting because it looks beautiful. Um, It fits the design of the controller really well. And it's just like, it's got the atmosphere. It's got the music. It's got, it's, it's a little bit more exciting maybe than some of the other Metroid games. So I don't know. That, that game's just amazing. 
Like I really need to beat that, and I really need to try the sequels. But yeah, I I love Metroid Prime from what I played for the first few hours. Yeah, no, it's absolutely amazing. Um, it's 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 just one of the best games ever. I really really am excited for uh, Metroid Prime Four whenever that game actually comes out. Who knows? Maybe it'll be for the the, the next Switch uh, iteration. It might not even be for this one. Who knows? But I mean, there's so many cool games. Um, yeah, like you, I know you really like F Zero. F Zero GX was awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think that game had some really weird. Um, I think that might have been one of the first games that ran at sixty percent, six sorry, sixty frames per second that fast on a console. Uh-huh. I think it has some like a couple little bit of history behind there. But if you're an F Zero fan, it's hard not to say that's the best F Zero game ever made. It's just so fast. It looks absolutely gorgeous. It, it controls perfectly. Like they just nailed F Zero perfectly in a 3D game. F Zero is amazing. It's like one of those. It's, this is a sleeper series by Nintendo. A lot of people um, haven't really experienced F Zero that mm-hmm. much. But if you're gonna go play one F Zero game, pick up GX for the GameCube. It's fast. It's furious. It's a little bit maddening because it's so difficult. Mm-hmm. But it, it's just it's just epic, man. It, it's so fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I actually, um, it's actually a game that actually I prefer the SNES version. <laughs> Which is funny. Oh no! Yeah, way. I love no the S- you know I love the SNES version, but but really, yeah, but I, but I agree with you that the the GameCube one's fun as well. Um, and and to a lot of people, it's like the definitive like hyper speed racer. So, yeah, but okay, I'm gonna get to my like qualm with the GameCube here before we get to PS2 again because we will get there eventually. Yeah. Um. First of all, just from the first party perspective, they made a couple of weird decisions with a couple of their characters. Like, where the heck is Donkey Kong? Yeah. And where the heck is Kirby? Now, I think maybe part of the reason they didn't do Donkey Kong is because Rare left Nintendo. Yeah. So maybe they didn't know exactly where to take Donkey Kong. But Donkey Kong does have a really cool little rhythm game, which I finally played for the first time a couple of weeks ago. Mm. Did you get that? Did you ever play that? It comes with the drums, the Donkey Konga drums, <laughs> and you actually have to hit the drums to the beat. <laughs> you know, I don't think I ever played that game. Okay, I mean, I can completely understand why. I would have never bought that either, but I played it at our friend Jonathan's house, who was on an episode a long time ago. And I've really had a lot of fun. It's, it's a really cool rhythm game, and it's it's great. And Kirby, they made like Kirby Air Ride, which I don't know. It's a, it's kind of a racing game where you're flying around with Kirby and his star. Mm-hmm. Kind of fun, but also I would have just really loved to see um, a really good 2.5D Kirby game or maybe even have them try a 3D Kirby game, though I think that Kirby usually works better in mm-hmm. 2D. But to me, like they dropped the ball. And the biggest drop to me is Star Fox. <laughs> like oh, they yeah. did make a couple of Star Fox games. But why the heck are we Star Fox roaming around planets, kicking around aliens? Dude. Like I want the space shooter experience with Star Dude, Fox. Dude, Steven, not not aliens, dinosaurs. <laughs> 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 yeah, I don't know. Star Fox Adventures. Uh, we've actually talked about it in a previous episode already. But I mean, yeah, obviously, Star Fox Adventures is an interesting game. But it's actually not really even supposed to be. A Star Fox game. It's like it was just it was just right, reskinned right. into Star Fox after the game was made, which is hilarious. But um But I think there's another Star Fox game that comes out after that. That's even it's like way worse. Like Star Fox Adventure is at least fun, but the next Star Fox game, I, th- I think there's one more. Yeah, yeah. Where it's also mostly Star Fox running around. And I remember buying it, being pretty excited, but it was absolutely awful. It was literally <laughs> just I mean Yeah. Um yeah, I mean some people really like that game. Um, 
but yeah, I think I know I know what you're um what you're talking about. The game's uh, Star Fox Assault. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, that's it. Yeah, I mean it has the the space parts of that are pretty cool and kind of harken back more to like the traditional roots of the series. But I think just like yeah, when when Star Fox is like walking around like super lame. <laughs> yeah, no, it really is. But okay, I mean like I guess the last thing I'd say about the GameCube games is that I just think that it lacked third-party support. I know you disagree with me on this, but compared to the PlayStation or the Xbox, the third-party support for the GameCube was just not there. And you're missing game. You don't have like most of those great series like Mega Man, Castlevania, and a lot of your classic third-party series are just gone. They're not on the GameCube at all. I think only I think the one I think that there's a couple um, games you can really celebrate on the GameCube like Tales of Symphonia or Resident Evil 4 mm-hmm. or Star Wars Rogue Squadron. But for the most part, the third-party developers really flock to the PlayStation 2 and the Xbox more than the GameCube. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I kind of understand. Um, so I think there are great third-party games that were developed for the, um, for the GameCube. Um, there are also a lot of really great second party games like we talked about like Retro Studios example for example developing mm-hmm. uh Metroid Prime. So I think there's a lot of companies that were involved, but you're right, it's not like the home of like all of the third party games from that era. And I think there's kind of like a hubris on Nintendo's side and they have a kind of like a Nintendo ego kind of thing and it's like it's a holdover from the snes era where they completely dominated the market and could completely make all of the rules and i think with the rise of sony and xbox you know they kind of like didn't really want to play that game and they kind of still wanted to do their own thing and i think they kind of just went into that even further in the um kind of like the Wii era and stuff. It's like they they just like stopped wanting to play with all those other people and maybe that's partially why there's less third parties. I mean, and also just losing Rare, which is disastrous and they should never have let that happen. Like we probably lost a lot of really cool games, you know, when that happened. Like we'll probably never get a Banjo 3, which is teased in Banjo-Tooie at the end. <laughs> it's like one of my favorite. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, like, like I think they made a lot of poor decisions in that, in regards to that. Um, so I agree. I agree that they could have had more second and third party games. Um, but for me, like I, I'm really satisfied with the library that exists. And, and like I said, I had so many cool memories and I really enjoyed the games that I played. So honestly, like for me, I'm completely satisfied, but I think compared to like that PS2, like I can understand. All right. Well, let's get into the PS2 here. Your for baby. A so PS2, <laughs> my baby. Um, PS2 probably. I mean, I can't say probably. It's not. A, it's not a fair statement. As arguably has the greatest gaming library of all time. The greatest of all time. I repeat that. <laughs> I mean, there, there's definitely. I think it. I mean, maybe I'm wrong here. Does it have the biggest library of all time? Just in terms of the number I mean, of games it, released on it, it very well might be. I I even recall at the time during the PS2 era that the I was just always amazed. Like like you go to like GameStop and you see this like tiny wall of GameCube games, and then you look on the other side and it's just like three times as many PlayStation Two games. Yeah, no, it's really insane. I mean, like you like always like to say that there's so many trash games <laughs> made for the PS2, <laughs> <Which is true. laughs> but. 
But even though there's a lot of not not really great games, there's just so many good games that it really doesn't matter because I mean no one's going to be playing like Hannah Montana or like <laughs> you know Barbie's Horse Ride Adventure on the PS2 at this point. You're going to be playing the great games. Yeah. So I mean, I guess I'll start on this one since it's sort of my console. I think what I love about the PlayStation, what I love about Sony with the PlayStation Two is the same thing I loved about the PS One, and the fact that. One, it was the home of RPGs. Mm-hmm. If you were gonna if you were gonna develop an RPG or a JRPG, it's most likely going to the PlayStation or the PlayStation console. And the PS2 has arguably the greatest selection of JRPGs ever made on any console. So that's one point I give it. And the other point is just that there's such a diversity of games. You have racing games, you have first person shooters, you have fighting games, you have action games, you have platformers, 3D platformers, like everything is on the PS2. It's literally a one-stop shop console. Like you could completely have the PS2 at that time period, never play an Xbox or a GameCube. Mm -hmm. Not saying you should do that, because both those consoles have great games as well. But you could have a completely enriched, versatile, diverse gaming experience. And you'd still have games left over to play at the end of the generation. You would not be hurting to look hurting to look for new games on the PlayStation 2, which again kind of kind of comes back to all that third party mm-hmm. support and all the um, just the number of games released for it. Yeah, yeah, no, that's absolutely true, and um, it's something now looking back on it that I I recognize. Um, like at the time, the you know, I really saw just the scale of the the games coming out for the PlayStation Two, but I didn't. I haven't really played, or I didn't really play any of them at the time. And then, but now going back, I have played through a lot of those games. And yeah, obviously, there's a lot of really cool games. But I mean, a lot of the genres honestly weren't really for me at the time. Like, I didn't really get into RPGs until recently. Um, mm-hmm. But and and I still think maybe the GameCube has the edge on 3D platformers, which is a genre I love. I mean, maybe you disagree with that, but I mean, you don't you don't really care for three D um, platformers generally, right? I do like some three D platformers. I mean, I played all three Jack and Daxter games. I really liked Ratchet and Clank, and both of those are kind of those are probably two of the biggest on the PlayStation Two. Um, I love Mario Galaxy, and I love Mario Odyssey for your Mario okay. games. I think that the older ones, when it comes to like the N sixty four. And the um, GameCube. I think at that time, I had I had loved two D platformers, and most of the three D platformers seemed a little bit kiddy. Like I always thought the controls of Mario sixty four were a little bit clunky and awkward when I played it as a kid. And you know, if you would ask me if I wanted to play something like Metal Gear Solid or Banjo Kazooie at that time, I would have definitely said Metal Gear Solid. It just seemed a lot cooler to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I think I've come... I do like 3D platformers. I just think you might enjoy them a little bit more than I Yeah, do. yeah, probably. Um, I mean, I just... I don't know. As a kid, they're probably my favorite genre. Um, yeah. You you definitely got immersed in that genre hard in the beginning, whereas I think I started so hard with 2D platformers that that's sort of what I stuck with maybe more. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's fine. That's fair. Um, I think maybe if I had been exposed to RPGs as a kid, I would have really liked them a lot more. Um, it's really a shame. Honestly, the first time I ever played an RPG was um, probably my friend who showed me Final Fantasy VI, but I played it on it like on ZSNES, like the emulator version, and probably probably oh, sometime yeah. in the GameCube era. But that was literally the first time I've ever been exposed to the first my first RPG, which is crazy. Bump. I'm curious. I mean, you you're you're a huge FF10 fan. Like, did you not play FF10 in the PS2 era? Um, no, I I played it. 
I think a little bit later than that, but yeah. Okay, because that seems like it's the Final Fantasy game that you always seem to mention first. You're always like, yeah, you're, no, you've always like, no, I absolutely love Final I, Fantasy yeah. X. I think it's a beautiful game. Um, the music and just the epic scale of that game is really unreal. No, and it definitely that was that was one of the games that really exposed me to that. Just like how epic that world can be, like just the, the ep- mm-hmm. just RPGs in general. So. Um, I don't know. So yeah, I think I think a lot of my bias towards GameCube is not is probably just based on like my I don't know exposure to different games. So I'm I'm willing to to admit that the PlayStation library is probably is probably more extensive and better than the GameCube library. But yeah, I mean, I would say no one is to de- I would never deny that GameCube has a decent selection of games to play. Like, if I only had a GameCube in that era, I'm sure I would love it a lot mm-hmm. more. It's just because I had that power of choice that I usually just kind of chose to play through. I chose like the games I really liked on the GameCube. Like I love Zelda and I love um, Super Smash Brothers. But I, I generally just chose the PlayStation. I, I got more excited for the PlayStation releases and the JRPGs and the Metal Gear Solids. Like I love Metal Gear Solid 3. 2, I actually was really disappointed. I didn't really like Metal Gear Solid 2. And I think you... I need to play that. I need. I think I need to replay that game because even at that time, I only I picked up Metal Gear Solid Two and put it down pretty really? quick. Really? Yeah. No. So I recently played through a decent amount of Metal Gear Solid Two, and actually, really, I think it's it's actually quite quite a cool game. Um, but it's definitely not uh, Metal Gear Solid Three. <laughs> it you know like it it doesn't have yeah, the same doesn't I have agree. the story because Metal Gear Solid Three just has a really fantastic story and it's really cool. I don't know. And it utilizes um, everything really well. Yeah, I think one thing we should talk about a little bit um, is the survival horror genre. Oh, okay. I, I think the GameCube, we, we never talked about Resident Evil 4, which I think is a massive oversight when it comes to the GameCube. It might be forgotten today because Resident, Resident Evil 4 has just been ported to so many other consoles, but that was a huge, 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 huge game for the GameCube when it came uh-huh. out. Having Resident Evil 4 as an exclusive, and it looked, it just, it played better than any Resident Evil. It looked much faster, it looked more exciting. Like, I remember seeing that game being like, holy crap. Like, this is a GameCube exclusive. Like, I need this game. This looks awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty funny because, again, it's not really – um like, the Resident Evil series was never really my favorite. But I did play through uh, Resident Evil Zero on the GameCube, which is also a really cool game. Yeah. And, they, yeah, I did have Resident Evil Zero. But the PlayStation 2, to counter that, did have the Silent Hill games. I had Silent Hill 2 and uh-huh. 3. I haven't really played Silent Hill 2 a lot, but a lot of people consider that to be one of the greatest survival survival horror experiences of all time. And I really love Silent Hill 3 because it was more of a continuation of the first game. But the one game I think that you played more than me is actually Shadow of the Colossus. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, my God. Uh, Shadow of Colossus is fantastic. And And again, it's another game I didn't play until later. And I actually played it on the... Um, PS4 for the the HD remaster. I I played the like an emulator of it. Um, actually, no. I think I got it for the PlayStation Two, like maybe about five or six years ago. But um, but yeah, man. No, Shadow of the Colossus is fantastic. It's everything, um, just cool about Zelda. Just kind of just like a much more edgy, darker kind of vibe. And instead of actual dungeons as like buildings. Just you go in and like, you know, f- solve all the puzzles. The dungeon's literally like a boss, like a like a one giant boss that you like crawl on. Um, yeah, yeah, I saw no, that. No, no. Um, yeah, 
no, Shadow of the Classes is one of those games that's like unlike um, any other game, really. I mean, it, it is, I guess the closest thing you can compare it to is Zelda, but it's just like, yeah, it carves out its own thing, I think, within that. Yeah. I mean, not only was it visually one of the best PS2 games, but yeah, it's just the game mechanics and the game design is something that's never been seen before in a game. Yeah. And I think that's why people appreciate it so much because it's such an engrossing, unique Yeah, experience. it really is. And also just the darker vibe of the game. I think that's something that PlayStation games in general did a lot better than the GameCube. Um, like just like darker, edgier games that are more like amb- like ambiguous in terms of like good and bad. And I think that's really cool, actually. Like, like Sony definitely took up the mantle of the um, of Sega, I think, in terms of like trying to have more adult games. But I mean, to to be honest, to be fair to the GameCube, um, there is a there are definitely like more adult centric games, like Eternal Darkness, which, like, like we talked about before, but like, like literally, like the like one of the. the game's mechanics is like your character kind of like going insane. (laughs) Yeah. That's one game that always sounded so amazing to me. And when I finally played it some Mm -hmm. years back, it just was way too cryptic. I I got stuck so many times. I was just getting, I got, I found myself more frustrated Mm -hmm. with the game than I did enjoying it. But I really love that fact. Like it, it would do really wonky things. Like your character had a meter. I think it might've been called the sanity meter. And when it went up too high, crazy things would happen. I think there was even one glitch where it actually tell you it would actually tell you to um, remove your memory card. It would like it would give you like a restart screen as if like all your memory was erased or uh-huh. something. It would actually mess with the player psychologically as well as the yeah, game yeah. character. Yeah, but the game's like kind of like tricking you in like you, like it's it's playing with your sense of what's real and what's not real in the game. Yeah. No, I mean it's yeah. definitely like a unique I guess, game. Yeah, I definitely think the GameCube had a few games. I mean, like I said, Resident Evil 4 is definitely yeah. a very mature game. Yeah. Um, Killer 7 was supposed to be one of those really beautiful first-person shooters, like, graphically, and I guess that was pretty a pretty mature game. I also think, like, I have to quickly say that, I mean, I mean, it's really hard for me to talk about the PS2 and try to condense this. There's just so many great yeah, games. Yeah. But God of War, for me, God of War was just so amazing when that came out. There was nothing like it. It was like God of War was everything I wanted in the PlayStation 1 and the N64 and just never got like a really, really, really fast paced, fast paced kind of platforming Mm -hmm. action adventure game. And it played exactly like you wanted to. You just literally ripped things apart. You bashed your boxes, you destroyed enemies and you did it at such a like hectic pace that you really felt like you were in the moment and no game in my opinion had ever captured that much brutality and sort of like realism in terms of the speed and then doing things in the moment is God of War. And when it came out, it's really impossible for me to um, overstate how important that game was for the gaming world. Yeah, yeah, I know. And, and I, I totally agree. And and having played, you know, the recent God of War game for the PS4, um, yeah, I know that's it's really a just an incredible series and it was really, really fun to get into that. And um, yeah, I'm definitely sad I didn't play those games, um, you know, during the during their era but yeah i mean there's so many great series and games for the playstation 2 i mean there's so many we could potentially talk about um but one one i actually played only a few times and every time i did it was really really cool experience so i really wish they'd make more of these games but um twisted metal black (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's crazy 
I love Twisted Metal. Yeah. Like, I mean, this was kind of like uh, the PlayStation's uh, Mario Kart or something like that, but like the crazy edgy version. <laughs> Not really. Mario Kart. I think Twisted Metal Black, that may have been a launch game with the PS2, if I remember right. Yeah. Yeah, but like that game is clearly like targeted towards like probably like just those edgy American '90s kids or t- early two thousand early t- <laughs> early two thousands kids, and yeah, like crazy like clown cars and like just messed up looking things smashing into each other. Yeah, yeah. No, I was a I was such a big fan of the Twisted Metal games on PlayStation One. I love Twisted Metal 1, 2, and 4. I didn't like 3. But I, I, mean, I played those games to death, and I was so excited for Twisted Metal Black. And at the time, I actually didn't really love Twisted Metal Black, but when I played it a couple of years ago, I realized it's the best Twisted Metal game. It's difficult, but it's fittingly difficult. The atmospheres are really dark. They're really harrowing, very dark colors. The stages can actually kill you in a lot of cases. <laughs> The characters are demented. If you watch their storylines, they're actually really dark. Like they kind of took the game to a ridiculous extreme. I'm not going to give it any credit for having a really good narrative or anything, but for being edgy, it definitely wins. But wow, it's such a great twisted metal game. It takes everything I loved with the, about the original ones and just amps everything up to like ten. Oh wow! It's just the only thing that I can really complain about is just the fact that it's so difficult. But I think like once you get used to it, it really fits the game's ethos. And yeah, I, dude, I love Twisted Metal Black. It's it's one of the it's definitely a game series that I wish would come yeah, back. Yeah. And Twisted Metal Black to me is the best of the the best of that genre. Yeah, car fighters i don't know <laughs> yeah i mean i i don't know I, apparently they were going to design or going to release um you know a bunch of them for the playstation 3 but i guess they got canceled i don't know it's weird there was a twisted metal there was a self-titled twisted metal for the ps3 i, I didn't really play it though okay um but i just yeah it's just like one of those series that's kind of just lost to the gaming world mm-hmm. but but yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, we could talk about the PS2 library, I think, quite for quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So why don't we just kind of skip ahead then? Why don't you give me, let's just talk about top five then. We don't need to get into every game individually, especially if we talked about it, but give me your top five GameCube games. What would you pick? Only five yeah. games remain, everything else is destroyed. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a really hard one. Um, but I'm, of course, I'm gonna. I mean, okay, so I'll go with games at the time and not necessarily in retrospect. Mm-hmm. Um, That's yeah. fair. But I think okay, so I definitely have to go with um, probably uh, Wind Waker as like number one, um, followed by probably Super Smash Brothers Melee, uh, Super Mario Sunshine, um, Metroid Prime, and then. Oh man, we didn't talk about Twilight Princess, but I know I know um you have you don't really like that game, but I actually love Twilight Princess, so whatever. Yeah, to be completely honest, I kind of like always think of that as a Wii game, but yeah, you're right. There was a synonymous GameCube release. Mm-hmm. But then oh man, and then it's, dude, it's too hard to pick. I mean, I already said 5, but Pikmin Pikmin <laughs> Pikmin's a classic. Rogue Squadron 2 is a classic. Luigi's Mansion. Okay. I've said I said like 7, but whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know you you love the GameCube. I'm probably it's like asking you to pick between your ten kids, which five yeah. live, which five okay. die. Okay, so you list <laughs> list a ten or list five uh, PS2 games. Just five? Oh man, that's really hard, dude. Um, okay, I, I gotta say, uh, 
Suikoden 3. Uh, Suikoden is my favorite JRPG series of all time to this day, and I really miss it. I wish it'd come back. But Suikoden 3 was such a great continuation of the series. It changed a lot. There's a few flaws, but I just love that game. And it's the very first game I ever played on my PS3. Or the very first game I played through anyway. So I'm going to go with Suikoden 3. I think it's better than Final Fantasy X. And um, so that's my pick there. Twisted Metal Black. I just love that game. It's it, it's time lives. You can play it as it's pretty much has unlimited replay value. Metal Gear Solid Three. Um, probably my favorite Metal Gear Solid game. I would be insane not to have my favorite Metal Gear Solid game be in the top five. Um, God of War Two. God of War Two is still one of those benchmark action games. Um, and I like the length of it. They they improved the controls over the first game. The journey was extended. The storyline continued. I really loved the Greek um, mythology mixed in there. It was really cool. Number five? Oh, man. Um, I'm probably going to have to say Dragon Quest VIII, which is a weird pick. I don't generally love the Dragon Quest series, but eight would probably be the exception for me. I think Dragon Quest VIII was just absolutely magical. And it made me realize that I could really love a dungeon crawler. Like Dun- Dragon Quest Eight is a beautiful game. It kind of has those cell shaded graphics that mm-hmm. Zelda would have. So it's utterly gorgeous. It holds up today. I'm sure it still looks just as beautiful in 2019 as it did in like 2003 or whatever year it came out. And like I just think it was absolutely beautiful game. It's long. I love that you could equip any of your characters with any weapon. You could sort of design their combat style how you wanted the two. And it just had this really endearing storyline and characters, and the music was utterly beautiful. Just a game that's just loaded with charm. So I guess Dragon Quest Eight, but I might be—I could very well be forgetting something. Yeah, right yeah, now. yeah. It's always hard to limit your selection of great, great games. <laughs> but I mean, I think we both agree that both consoles have, you know, a, a, a pretty hefty selection of decent games. So. Um, yeah, but I mean, o- o- in terms of overall quality, um, I think it, it might depend on your preferences. But in terms of just diversity, I, I don't, I don't think you can argue that the PlayStation Two has the superior library. Just if you want to play the most diverse and most, you know, different different mm-hmm. selection of games, I don't think you can argue that that it's more diverse. But I agree with that. I mean, I definitely owe the GameCube a little bit more time. I missed a lot of games. I mean, I barely even played Mario Sunshine, which is really sad. Um, so I definitely owe the GameCube a little bit more time. And sometimes I think I tend to malign it a little bit just because I always compare it to the PS2 yeah. and expect it to sort of meet that standard. But the GameCube sort of has its own magic. And I certainly have a lot of fond memories with games like Super Smash Brothers and um zelda wind waker and i think that it was too short a period of my life and i need to revisit some of these classics which is weird because the gamecube to me is one of the most cryptic systems ever made like to me like it's been if you don't have a gamecube or a wii it's almost impossible to play most of the games on the gamecube most of these games haven't seen ports they haven't seen hd release hd remasters So it's kind of an inaccessible library compared to a lot of other consoles. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's a very difficult library to effectively emulate. A lot of the games don't mm-hmm. emulate well. Um, and yeah, like it, they just haven't ported them. There's not a lot of HD re- remasters or anything like that. Um, the GameCube itself, um, you, 
they have there are these like uh like kind of like new ways to kind of convert them to like being able to p- display on hdmi um tvs and stuff like that but yeah. but yeah i mean it's just old school stuff like um definitely nintendo needs to get on releasing gamecube games for god's sakes like i don't know why they just like just there's don't it's weird yeah, no, they could totally remedy that with the Switch. They could do HD remasters. They could put the games up on the eShop. I mean, I guess like Super Nintendo might finally be coming to the legacy um, collection they have in their online uh-huh. service. But it seems like GameCube at least is a far way off. I've heard a lot of rumors about a Metroid Prime trilogy coming. Yeah, to that'd the be really that Switch, would be really but cool. Those, but those rumors have seemed to die somewhere, so I, I really don't know. I think the state of the GameCube is still in, in terms of GameCube games coming to a modern console, is still completely up in the yeah, air. Yeah, yeah, it, it does. It is weird, and I think, um, yeah, Nintendo's neglecting that library. It's strange, and yeah, like a lot of those games aren't aren't being played, and people don't even know that they exist. So. Right, and it hurts them a little bit if they want to bring a series back. Like, if they were to make a new Pikmin right now, you'd be relying on people who played Pikmin, you know, 15 years ago. Whereas if you allow people to play the original Pikmin games, you might actually be able to make a sequel mm-hmm. to that. Yeah, that's 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 actually so. really true. Um, a game like Luigi's Mansion has enough, um, you know, it's popular enough and, you know, enough people played it to where they can pop out another. I mean, they also were the 3DS, the 3DS Luigi's Mansion, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, a game like Pikmin, man, we haven't seen a Pikmin in so long. So, I mean, it could be one of the series. Nintendo sometimes has series that are on one um, console or they just die off, like much like F-Zero. We haven't seen an F-Zero yeah. game since the Game Boy Advance, so it Pikmin might be a dead series. Yeah, I'd be really so sad. Something they're going to keep in their back pocket until they actually need it. But okay, let's end this with a couple weird questions yeah, here. Yeah, sure. So, um, well, I don't know. I don't know how weird they're going to be. But, <laughs> but all right. So we're going to try a little segment here where we're going to ask each other a couple questions about either we'll, – we'll, we'll leave it open. You can ask me questions about – no, we'll, we'll keep it. You know, you're more GameCube camp. I'm more PS2 yeah, yeah. camp. So I'm going to ask you some questions with the GameCube, and I'm ask, you can ask me some questions with PS2. Okay. They can be whatever you want. Try to make them interesting, funny, fun. And um, I'm going to ask you with the GameCube. We'll try to get two or three questions in there so we have time for Okay. So, Toby, you ready to answer a question? All right. All right, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The one I was asked you earlier, um, if you could make one change to the GameCube, what would it be? <laughs> um, okay, so I think hands down would be to just increase the, the the discs to normal size and to actually give it a real DVD player. I think that would have made it really competitive at the time, even if it means that the GameCube itself is like $100 more than it was, so bring it up to like the PS2 cost. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think that would be really cool for the the GameCube library. Cause then I think it would, it would probably would have been a lot better for third parties. And yeah, it just wouldn't have had that really weird limitation. And then you could have also used it as a DVD player. So I think that would have been really cool. Yeah, that's a pretty good pick. And that's definitely going to be probably the most baffling fact of this podcast is why the heck did Nintendo go with those mini yeah. discs on the yeah. GameCube? And why didn't they utilize this DVD technology? Now, real quick, yeah. Did Xbox have DVD capabilities? Yes, it I don't did. remember. It, could you play a DVD yeah, movie? Yeah, you could. It you could. could as well. Although the Xbox, the Xbox okay. was definitely. I think the Xbox was like a hundred dollars more expensive than the PS2. I could be wrong about that, but I, I think it. Okay, PS2 was three hundred on release. I know that three hundred on it. Oh, actually, I could have been. Let's let's see. Yeah. X. 
Uh, Xbox was, yeah. Okay, no. So the Xbox was 300 as well. So it's actually the same price. Okay. Okay. So, okay. So for you, um, okay. So a question for you about the PlayStation 2 era. Um, if there's one game that you could recommend to somebody who has compl- like absolutely no exposure to that library whatsoever, um, and it's just a game to showcase everything awesome about the series or the sorry about the console and you know what what game would you recommend oh that's a yeah. really hard question i mean it's so genre dependent i feel like if i if if this person hated rpgs and i choose yeah. final fantasy 10 i'm doing a disservice but okay i mean to answer fairly because you gave me no information to go <laughs> off if i had to pick one game to represent the genre sorry i started the uh-huh. console now i'm making this interesting <laughs> um I guess I would pick, you know, I'm probably going to have to say God of yeah. War. Just pick up God of War. It's very representative of the PlayStation 2. Um, it's a game that I feel like, unless you really don't like violence in video games, I feel like it's a game that everyone can enjoy. It's got some cool history in there. It's very playable. It's it's not very long, so it's not going to burden you. You don't need to put 100 hours into it. And God of War 1 and 2 were two of the better-looking PS2 games. So, yeah, as far as playability, I think God of War 1 and 2 hold them mm-hmm. really well. And that would be an awesome place to start if you were going to go back to the PS2 library Yeah, today. yeah. And no, I, th- I think that's a really cool answer because I think God of War has, like, kind of, like, a very general appeal. Like, like RPGs are amazing, but they're definitely more, like, niche to people who like, mm-hmm. like, especially, like, JRPGs that are, you know, really complicated, you know, like kind right. of yeah a little bit tedious sometimes um so yeah i mean i yeah Definitely. i mean i think god of war is just fantastic that's a fantastic um selection plus you don't need any you don't need any pre-knowledge to go into it like, unlike maybe metal gear solid where if you didn't play the original you might be a little bit out on some of the details of the game uh, the mm-hmm. plot and with the new god of war being so great last year i bet there's a bunch of people who might be curious about the old god of war games if they haven't played yeah them. yeah okay well that's a sweet that's sweet answer okay all right so maybe we'll do one more question each. okay all right toby another gamecube question for you mm-hmm. ready if there's any gamecube game that represents your personality <laughs> what would it be oh, my personality oh man um yeah that's a hard uh hard thing to answer because there's a lot of really cool games um, are you sunshine sunshine yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um i mean i love that game i can't, i don't know um man okay i think yeah i mean that's a really hard hard one to answer but i think for me um i'm just gonna have to go with uh the wind waker <laughs> Oh, I thought you were gonna say Metroid. I mean, Prime I could, ha- I could have, but I really enjoy actually just kind of like the the adventure feeling of uh, Wind Waker. Um, I like the feeling of just like being on the high seas, like exploring. Like a lot of people don't like the the boat traveling in that game, but I actually absolutely love it. I love the feeling that you're just kind of like free on the seas to kind of explore, and that there's all these places to go. Um, I, I thought it was just really fantastic. It's fun. It's playful. It's like. Uh, really colorful and and cool. Um, it's a great Zelda game. So yeah, I'm probably gonna go uh, Wind Waker on that one. <laughs> yeah, Wind Waker felt very open for the time period. Yeah. And I think that the 
see mechanic threw people off, but it definitely felt very open and it felt like there's a very explorative element to the game. Like whenever you saw a new island, you're like, wow, I haven't been there yet. What's what's that island going to hold? Uh-huh. You know, maybe it was a little bit more special in terms of exploring than maybe riding a pony. Oh. Um, something like, you know, maybe like something like um, Ocarina of Time where maybe you see the stuff from the far away and you don't know what it is. So you ride your horse to it, but it seems like in like Twilight, sorry, not Twilight Princess, uh, Wind Waker, Stuff just appeared on the horizon, and you got really excited. You didn't see it, and yeah. all of a sudden, it's like you start you're riding your boat, and it's like, "Whoa, there's an island there! Let's go check out what's going yeah, on." Yeah, absolutely. And I think, and I think Nintendo took, um, you know, the Zelda series, and they just weren't afraid to do something very unique and different, and to kind of like evolve the series, and to not just give us, you know, a, a new Zelda or a new Ocarina of Time 2.0, which is what I think a lot of people kind of wanted, which is a bit silly in my opinion. Like it's cool that Nintendo was just willing to just like give us this really unique game that was just like out of sync with everything in that series yet. So I think that's really cool. But okay. So for your last question. um, Okay. So like what's um, an obscure PlayStation 2 game that we haven't talked about today that, you think is hidden within the the massive uh, pile of PS2 games that needs more attention and is amazing and um, it just doesn't have enough love. So I think that's I think that's a good question just because there's so many games and a lot of people aren't aware of like you know how many cool games there are. Okay, now I would normally immediately hit you with Suikoden uh-huh. on this, but since I already talked about it, let me go with a different one. Okay, I got it. Uh, this game is not really a secret game. It's not really something that is unknown, but I think it is a game that has been lost to history a little bit and has been sort of maybe displaced with other games in the genre. And that would be to me that game would be Burnout, the Burnout series. Mm. I don't know if you've yeah, I've heard Burnout, of it, but. Burnout 1 and 2 were okay, but to me, I would I would say, like, if you want to play one Burnout game, go with Burnout 3 Takedown. Burnout 3 is awesome. I mean, it's an arcade racing game. What you're doing is you have two modes. There might be an extra mode, but the two modes I remember, there's one mode, mode where you're racing, but you're encouraged to scrape against cars. You're encouraged to smash them off the road. <laughs> And it's really fast-paced. It's really fun. you got Nitro Boost. Oh, wow. the, 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 it's, it's crazy fast. And then there's another mode, which is just really um, unique and not something I've seen before in a game, where you're actually encouraged to cause the biggest car accidents <laughs> that you possibly can. So you've got to like launch yourself at the perfect time to smash into cars, which causes them to like spin out and hit other cars. There's some explosions. Oh, and it's just this really great game mode. I mean, it's like really fun to compete with your friends to see who can make the biggest explosion. And I think Burnout is one of those series that was really popular on the PS2. They did make Burnout Paradise on the PS3, but to me, that game just never. It, they try to get too in depth with it. They got a bit mm-hmm. too ambitious. I like the simplicity and the fun of Burnout Three. I would like to see that game get more recognition, and I would love to see a Burnout game be made on the Switch or some modern console that brought back that sim- simplicity and that arcade style to racing. So Burnout 3 all the way, awesome Yeah, game. that's cool. It's, well, it's a series I haven't checked out, but it, well, your, your description of it was giving me flashbacks to playing uh, Road Rash on the, on the, on the Genesis <laughs> back in the day. That was a really cool game as well. 
I mean, yeah, kind of. I mean, like it's a bit different, but yeah, it's a, it's sort of in the vein of that where you know you're you're not necessarily just trying to win the race. You're trying to knock people off the road, and there's still there's a lot of points you get for doing stuff that's a bit odd and a bit risky. You're you're encouraged to take massive risks uh-huh. in that game, and it's just like really fun to smash your friend off the track, even if you don't win the race. You're like, I took you out like ten times. I lost the race, but how many times did I wipe out your car? Yeah, in the course of it? yeah, that's really cool. I mean, yeah. Yeah, the those types of games we don't have as many of now. Um, I don't know, like like I do think like there was a time when it was there was like a like a lot fewer restrictions on like these like crazy insane games, and I and I feel like maybe game makers are a little hesitant now to make some like just like wanton destruction games. You know, like <laughs> like we have you know we have like uh, you know um, God, I'm blanking on it, but what. Grand Theft Auto and stuff like that, you know, yeah. like we have these kind of series still, but it's just like, I feel like maybe they're like game companies are like afraid or something to, to make these like hyper violent games. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, I feel like the other problem is the price point. Like they wouldn't really be able to sell a game like Burnout 3 in the modern era for like 60 bucks. And sometimes mm. with the cost of making these games, it might not be worth, um, reducing the price of your game being like hey this is gonna be a 30 dollar yeah it's true yeah it's definitely like a different gaming market and the types of games that can be justified as you know full 60 dollar games are it's like a different it's a different thing now yeah like it's kind of i mean i guess like sega learned this the hard way it's really hard to give people an arcade experience for $60 and have them feel like they spent their money well. If it's a game that they play for a couple hours and they finished, mm-hmm. then they probably feel like they just wasted, you know, 30 or $40 of that $60. Yeah, absolutely. No, like, like I think just the expectations of gamers has grown significantly. You know, when you, when you have games that are just like, you can sink, you know, a hundred hours into or something like that, or it's just like a fully immersive story. That's like super integrated, like super complicated and developed, yeah, and then you just you just have like a like a one off racer or whatever. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, plus I mean like it's just like the price point has been set now. There's so many games like you can buy whatever you want. There's twenty dollar games, there's ten dollar games, there's sixty dollar games. But back then you didn't have indie games, you didn't have online mm-hmm. shops, and it was just a completely different market. And I mean the good thing about Burnout Three is it has a lot of replayability. It's not a game you'll play for twenty minutes and feel like you finished. Like you don't really feel like you finished that game. It's something you turn on and have fun every time. But it definitely it, it still harkens to that arcade. Like you know, are you gonna are you are you really gonna develop an arcade game, or are you gonna try to develop something that can get us more money? Yeah, for a game development. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean that's definitely um, a game I'll, I definitely want to check out eventually. For sure, man, definitely should. Um, all right, guys. Well, that's our thoughts on the GameCube and the PS2. We're pretty excited to have done a gaming episode again. If we completely missed a game, which is probably entirely possible, please let us know and let us know what you prefer, the GameCube or the PS2 and why. So obviously you can tell Toby is a big GameCube guy and I'm a big PS2 guy, although I think we both like the other console a fair bit. So we'll catch you guys on the next episode of the Pixel Meditations. Take care. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Pixel Meditations. We hope you enjoyed the episode as much as we did. If so, please support us and help spread the word so we can reach new listeners. You can do this by simply subscribing to our podcast, leaving us ratings and reviews on your favorite podcast apps, and by sharing our content. Your feedback and ideas are very important to us, so please get in contact with any requests, comments, or suggestions. You can find us on Twitter at Pixel Meditation. 
Gmail at thepixelmeditations at gmail.com and Facebook at the Pixel Meditations page.